Hey everybody and welcome again to our Coffee with Jesus podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today, for tuning in and listening to this episode. Uh, and today we're going to be talking about the concept of can we like Jesus? Can we like Jesus? And so as always, welcome to the podcast. Uh, we release this every Tuesday morning and the whole point is for you to grab something to drink, some coffee, tea, hot chocolate, whatever it is. And let's just spend the next 20 minutes, 15 minutes together talking about Jesus, talking about what it means to live for him and reflect him, to allow his glory to become our primary concern. And so, as always, we're going to go through a scripture or two, and we're going to unpack something that's going to help us live like Jesus. So again, if you need to go grab something to drink, go for it, push pause. There's no judgment here. Uh, that's the great thing about podcasts. We can just pause. While you're doing that, why don't you subscribe, whether you're watching this on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, hit the subscribe button so you can find out whenever a new one is uh, released. So today, as I mentioned, I want to ask a simple question. Can we like Jesus? In our world today, there seems to be like buttons all around. And the more likes we get, the more popular we think we are. We can even like messages on WhatsApp now. And the more people who like our content, the more we are celebrated and the more influence we think we have. We live in a world where one of the new currencies is likes. The thing is, though, sometimes a like feels wrong. I know we've moved forward in our ability to respond to things through different emojis and etc. But for a long time, the only thing we could do when someone posted something was either like or comment. You would read about someone who had just lost a loved one or who had been diagnosed with cancer. And before you moved on, you felt like you should respond, but it seemed so wrong to like a post that is a declaration of bad news or tragedy. But for so many, that is what we did, and we moved on. We kept scrolling. And I did this a few times, and it always felt incredibly weird to me to like someone's bad news. And so that's where we are with Jesus. Can we like Jesus? Is that a possibility? Is that an option? Can we live in a place where Jesus gets a thumbs up from us before we continue scrolling through every other post, every other opinion and ideology? Can we live in a place where Jesus gets our like, but nothing else? In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8, verse 27 to 30, it says this, Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others, one of the prophets. And he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Christ. And he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. Now, this is a significant moment in the gospel of Mark. The gospel of Mark has 16 chapters, so chapter 8 is the halfway point. It's the halfway mark of the gospel of Mark. Sorry, that was terrible. Uh, but the, it, and, and Mark uses it as a point of transition. Up to this point in his narrative, Jesus has been helping people understand who he was. He talks about his identity. And from this point on, after Peter gets it, after he declares it, from this point on, almost immediately and completely, Jesus moves on to telling people why he had come. Tim Keller, an incredible author, speaks about the crown and the cross of Jesus the crown and the cross. We need to behold both to grasp the significance of Mark's narrative. Jesus came as king and he came for the cross. The first half of his narrative is to explain to people that he wears the crown. And the second half is to declare that he was going 
to the cross. And so in this passage, we read Jesus asking essentially two questions. It boils down to this. Who do culture say that I am? And who do you say that I am? And both of these questions are significant. Because if we just look at that first one, who does culture say that I am? We need to be aware of what's being said in culture about Jesus. Sometimes we can claim ignorance and almost be proud of, oh, I don't know what culture says about Jesus. But if we are deaf to culture, we become mute with the gospel because the gospel is supposed to communicate truth into culture, not despite culture. And so Paul writes that he was so aware of culture that he changed how he lived and spoke in order to make sense to the culture that he was in, regardless of whether it was Jews, Greeks, or whoever. He speaks about being under the law for those under the law, being free from those who are free. And, and essentially, he says, you need to know the culture you're a part of. Jesus, and in this passage, Jesus is essentially taking a census of culture. He's asking, what does culture think? If we were to take a census of what culture thinks about Jesus today, what would we hear? In Judea, during the life of Jesus, people who were distanced from Jesus, who had no intimacy with him, thought he was a prophet. In other words, they had no concept of crown or cross. They had an opinion, and a lot of them liked what Jesus said and did. I mean, the healings were great. The messages were awesome. But, but then they continued to scroll. They continued with their life. They continued to go to the temple, listen to other rabbis. They continued to just see him as part of their world that they could engage with when they wanted and move on when they wanted. We know from other places in the gospel that this was not the only perception of Jesus. The Pharisees, for instance, didn't like what they heard and saw, and so they tried to cancel Jesus. They said that he was evil. They said he was demon-possessed. And so, please, let's grasp this. People who lived at a distance from Jesus saw him either as a man who could do good stuff or as a person challenging cultural norms and who deserved to be canceled. In other words, Jesus is worthy of a thumbs up or a thumbs down. And this was all based off of the public ministry of Jesus. I want us to be very clear and understand something today. Culture can only assess Jesus from what they see through the public ministry of Jesus. And we see that the two thoughts were, oh yeah, he's good, thumbs up, or he's, he's challenging, thumbs down. So from a distance, when, when, you, when you have no intimacy with Jesus, all you can do is gauge what he did in public. There's no private intimacy with him. And so here's the question, what is today's culture's viewpoint on Jesus. Again, we have to realize that culture can only assess Jesus from his public ministry, and today that ministry is experienced through the church. Jesus's public ministry is in and through the church. And so if we understand these two thoughts together, then we can understand that culture thinks what it does about Jesus because of what the church has done and said globally. And some of the perceptions of Jesus include that he's homophobic, He's judgmental, he's sexist or racist, legalistic. Some people might admit that he's a good teacher. Many people would admit that he's a historically influential person. But what you hear in all of those is no crown, no cross. No one can grasp the identity of Jesus or the purpose of Jesus. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, has the church so distorted Jesus that when the world sees him through us, they see no crown, no cross. What do people think about Jesus because of what we as the church have portrayed? We accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, crown and cross. He is nothing if he's not those two things. 
If he's not those two things, then he is just another in a long line of prophets. Yes, he may be cool. Yes, he may deserve a like, but that's not what Jesus said about himself, and that's not the option he left for us. He challenged us with regards to his crown, and he calls us with regards to his cross. He says, if I am the king, then not only do you have to bear, not only do you have to watch me go to the cross, but you have to bear your own cross. And so perhaps the reason that culture has its view that it does of Jesus is because perhaps in our preaching, we've missed the crown and the cross. Perhaps in our lives, perhaps in our testimonies, we've missed the crown and the cross. And so that first question is incredibly important because when we can answer the question, who do people say that I am? What we're actually asking is, how have we portrayed Jesus? The second question is equally vital. Who do you say I am? Who do you say disciples, followers of Jesus, Christians, who do you say I am? And with this question, Jesus is not asking about culture's perspective. He's asking about a personal revelation. What do we think when we see Jesus? In response to this question, Peter says, you are the Christ. He sees the crown and the cross, and he says, both are yours. We know from the next portion of scripture that Peter didn't fully get the cross bit, because when Jesus begins to talk about his destiny on the cross, Peter rebukes him. But for us, can we see Jesus as both king and lamb? Can we see him as both a superhero and a sacrifice? Can we understand Jesus in terms of the cross and the crown? Let's get back to the original thought, though, for today. Can we like Jesus? Can we give him a thumbs up and move on? Can we like Jesus, but keep entertaining everything else in this world, giving thumbs up to everyone and everything that isn't Jesus? Again, it comes down to the crown and the cross. If Jesus is asking, if Jesus is king, and not just a king, but the king of everything, if, as Paul writes, all things are from him, to him, and through him, then he isn't a king we can just like. He is the king we either have to live for or reject completely. He is not a, he's not simply a monarch we can enjoy when it comes time to a, for a jubilee or a birthday or a wedding, but never commit to. He is either king of everything or we have to reject his crown. And if Jesus is the one who went to the cross, then his sacrifice is not something we can simply like. It is something we either live out of and allow to define who we are, or we reject it. We, we say that it, it has no impact on our lives. The cross of Jesus becomes the thing we live out of and live for. It defines us. You cannot simply like the cross. The cross is one of the most brutal, brutal forms of punishment, of torture the world has ever seen. You cannot like it. I think sometimes what happens is when we distance ourselves from a moment in history, it's been 2,000 years roughly since the cross, and what happens in 2,000 years is we can romanticize things. We can look at the cross and have a romantic view of the cross, but the cross was brutal. The cross was agonizing. The cross messed with your head and your heart. The cross broke your body as it broke your spirit. And when Jesus hung on the cross, he was paying for your sins and my sins. He was creating a brand new covenant in which our works didn't define our salvation, but his did. You cannot like the cross. Yes, we wear them around our necks. We make the signs of the cross. We do all these things, but you cannot simply like the cross. When we are confronted with the reality of the cross, we have to ask ourselves, is this going to completely redefine my life or am I going to completely reject it? So to end off today, what does the crown and the cross mean for you. What we cannot do, what I feel is impossible, 
is to simply give it a thumbs up, is to simply like Jesus. If all we do is like Jesus, we have completely missed everything he said and did. We have to stop. We have to allow the crown and the cross of Jesus to reframe everything we think about him and everything we know about ourselves. And so for those of us perhaps today listening to this, if you've kind of kept Jesus at a distance, he's simply part of your newsfeed. He, you like some of the things he said, you like some of the things he did. Perhaps you wear a cross without ever having allowed yourself to be confronted with the reality of the cross. Perhaps you've never considered him as king, king of your life, king of the entire world, king of all eternity. Today, my challenge for each and every single one of us is what does it mean if Jesus is king and he is lamb? Not either or, both and. Jesus doesn't give us the option of, of a buffet menu when it comes to him. We can't pick the things we like and leave the things we don't. He is either king of everything. He is either the lamb that pays for every sin or he's nothing. Jesus doesn't give us any in-between options. And in fact, what Jesus would challenge us with is he is king. He is the sacrifice. He is the lamb that was slain. He is the, the ransom for our sins and the price of our eternity. Jesus is either everything to us or we live as though he, he means nothing. And so today, my challenge to you, my, today, my question to you is if you have lived simply lacking him, perhaps you've misunderstood him. If all you've done is give him a thumbs up, perhaps we've missed the entire point altogether because he is king and he did go to the cross. And so my prayer for each of us today is that we would live in the reality of that. And if you've never completely thought of that, if you've never allowed those two things to define who you are, perhaps today is a time where you can say, Jesus, I believe that you are who you say you are. You did what the scriptures say you did. You are king. You did go to the cross. And because of that, I will not just like you, but I will live for you. That is my prayer for each and every single one of us today, that we wouldn't just like him, but we would live for him. Well, God bless you. Hope you have an incredible rest of your day, rest of your week, whenever you're listening to this. Uh, don't miss next week's episode. It's going to be a good one. We will see you soon, everybody. God bless. God bless.